In an attempt to help people in poverty, our safety net services are oftentimes trapping individuals and communities in a cycle of choices that leaves them reliant on government services with no way out. We discuss a phenomenon called benefits cliffs, what it is and what is being done to address them. This is the Breakthrough Podcast. Welcome to the Breakthrough Podcast. I'm Corey and I'm with Kelsey again, and this time we're talking benefits cliffs. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, what uh, are those concepts that are like very um, kind of hard to discuss because it's a very complex issue? It's about social services and how all of this stuff plays together. But Kelsey, I know you've been going around. Um, not only have you been working on the the technical side of getting this information out to people, but you've been doing a lot of work around. Uh, sitting down with states, different organizations around the country to talk about what the problem is and uh, what we are doing to address it. Can you kind of give me like your 50,000 foot view of like somebody's like, well, what's a benefit clip and what is all of this thing you guys are working on? What would you say to them? So I'm going to get, I'm going to get academic real quick and then we'll break down nice. what it actually means. Um, and, and I've had the good fortune of, of talking to multiple states and multiple policymakers in states about this. And it's a problem in every single state in the United States because it is a federal level and a state level issue. But right. by definition, benefits cliffs refer to a situation where an increase in income leads to a disproportionately large loss or complete loss of government benefits which can create a disincentive for individuals to increase their income through work. And so what, what does that mean? That means that essentially the way our system is set up right now, the way the welfare system and the benefit system is set up, it disincentivizes people from working their way off of benefits because they end up hitting this pay rate and it differs by state and it differs by family situation but they, they hit a certain pay rate at which they actually lose more than they gain. So they might get a 50 cent per hour increase, right? They might get a raise, they might get a promotion, but the problem is that that 50 cents an hour kicks them into a, a salary range or a pay range that is higher than the allowance for the benefit program they're on, whether that's SNAP, you know, food stamps, housing, medical assistance, and so it actually is that it's a net negative for them to take that raise because they end up losing so much more when it comes to their benefits. And that's really if you if you want to look at the cycle of poverty in our country, I would say that that's that's the fence that's keeping people on the side of poverty, honestly, is, is yeah. that cliff. And it's one of those things that people and it's why people bounce back and forth into it, right? Like people mm -hmm. will kind of like find themselves getting out of their situation, maybe getting off of public services and getting like being independent, something small happens and all of a sudden they're thrust back into this cycle and they're cycling in and out. It's like the story of Joyelle, who is a story that we shared a few years ago, um, who was willing to kind of, one of the few people that are willing to share their story because benefits are an odd issue where people they don't want to admit like, hey, I'm on government benefits. I can't get off of them and I'm struggling through this process. So it's one of those things that's hard to isolate what the problem really is because people are unwilling to share their struggles. But mm -hmm. uh, she was on uh, she was in government housing and was getting help and support to stay in her housing and then was getting job offers to kind of move up through that. And then she had to weigh, OK, well, if I take this job, 
I'm going to get kicked out of my house next month. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I won't be able to afford what I have and I have to figure this whole thing out. And she wants to get off of it. She doesn't want to be on government services, but she's kind of feeling stuck on that cliff. That cliff is if she's facing this cliff, right? And mm-hmm. she's falling off of it. And I think that's one of the hard issues is that, first of all, I think you touched on this. It's unique to every state, to every person's situation. Like if you have two kids, three kids, which is why we put together this Benefits Cliffs website that allows people to plug in different information. And I know it's super complex and the back end, you know, we're, I'm, I'm not a technical guy on how all of this works, but the, there's a lot to that where you can see if somebody's in this scenario, they're going to face a cliff at this point. So there's a couple of things that you just talked about, and I, I want to touch on both of them separately. One is the psychology around poverty and the perceptions around poverty. Yeah. And the other one is the complexity of the system. So let's talk about that first. When you're talking about this calculator we created, which, by the way, is free to the public. So if you all want to check it out, it's at BenefitsCliffs.org. That's Benefits with an S, Cliffs with an S.org. You can go on. And basically what it allows you to do is create a family scenario, whether it's a single mom of two kids, a mom and an unmarried spouse with three kids. It will allow you to build that family structure. And then it spits out a graph that shows you exactly where you land on this benefits cliffs structure, this welfare system structure and where you're going to drop off that cliff. And it's really powerful information. It's also very discouraging if you're the person that is being modeled out. But for policymakers and people trying to change this, it's really powerful to see what that looks like and visualize what the system actually is in reality. And I think, you know, it's important to highlight when you talk about the complexity of of the tool and it's it's pretty straightforward to use. It is not straightforward to build. That's because the system is inherently complex. I mean, we're talking, I, it is, it's a full-time job for someone on benefits yeah. to maintain their status with those offices. Most In most states, excluding Utah, all those offices are separate, right? So you've got to maintain your paperwork, maintain your status, understand roughly where those cliffs are and without a tool like this you're just guessing at best you know you're gonna you know you're going to suffer for taking a raise at some point but you're not quite sure where it is so you're even more held back because you're like i don't know if that's at 12 25 an hour or if it's at 13 25 an hour but i'm not going to risk it so i'm just not i'm not going to pursue either right and and it's demoralizing too it's so demoralizing and it's like again I mean, we we had a PhD in economics create this system, create this tool. Most of the people that are on these programs barely have a high school education. Yeah. And that's not a judgment. That's just an objective statement. And so if it takes a someone with a, a graduate degree to understand how the system works, how are we expecting an average person who, by the way, is probably working two jobs, probably has multiple kids, might be a single parent to navigate that? It's it's unreasonable yeah. and it's unfair. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it, you know, I think even if you, you never hit the like generate report thing, if you just go in and plug, start plugging things in and you start mm-hmm. seeing the, the mounds of questions that get asked of people, mm-hmm. you will begin to go, oh my gosh, like this impact, like what benefit you're on, what, you know, you start to see the cascading that, or that pile on of programs that, that are kind of overwhelming Mm-hmm. And it shows the complexity of the issue. It, it highlights how hard it is 
to not just address the problem, but to also to like even figure out where the problem begins, you know? And I think that's yeah. what's that's fascinating about it. Well, and the, you know, the quote, uh, a problem defined is a problem half solved. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of yeah. people just don't even know the monster they're up against. They know it's there and they know it's scary yeah. and they know it's dangerous, but they don't know where it is. It's almost like they're trying to fight it in the dark. And, and that's so much to ask of people. And then, you know, going back to, to the other thing that I, I wanted to touch on, and, and this is something that you're really good at speaking towards, Corey, but the psychological aspect of poverty. So again, using Joyelle as an example, right? Or using any single mother or single parent as an example. You go into a job, you don't necessarily feel comfortable disclosing to your employer that you're on benefits because there is still a social stigma around that. There's still an opinion yeah. from a lot of people that why are you taking money? Why do you need help? Just get a job because they don't. And I don't think it comes from necessarily a bad place all the time. I think it comes from a place of ignorance, not understanding what the system looks like and how it traps people in those those situations and that between a rock and a hard place, you know? Um, so, so you don't want to tell your employer that you're on benefits and then you do a really good job at work because you want to excel. That's our drive as humans is to, to flourish and, and progress. And your employer says, Hey, you're doing really well. I'd like to give you a raise. And you say, Oh no, thank you. I can't. Now all else held equal. If you're an employer, you're thinking, why would you not want more money that gets you closer to not needing government assistance? Like I'm trying to help you out and you don't want that. And, and for that person to have to explain the position that they're in is really, like you said, it's demoralizing. It's embarrassing. It's, it's, it's a very emotional thing. And so can you, I just, I can't personally imagine being in a position where I have to not only turn down recognition and more money, but I also have to explain to my employer, lest they fire me instead of promote me because they think I'm being insubordinate or difficult, why I'm making that decision. Like, it's just such a hard, it's a hard situation to be in. And, and it highlights the issue with how do you come up with a solution for it, right? Because mm -hmm. it's a psychological issue as much as it is, or it's a mindset, maybe not psychological, Absolutely. but it's a mindset issue as much as it is a um, numerical issue. numbers don't add up, right? Mm -hmm. And and because I, I think that what you s tend to see on both sides of the political spectrum is one side says, well, we'll just increase how much money you're giving people. Well, that just mm -hmm. makes the cliff move, right? Like mm -hmm. it just creates mm -hmm. a different cliff somewhere else. It doesn't mm -hmm. actually... It doesn't empower anyone, which is ultimately uh -huh. what you're trying to do. Uh -huh. it, it steals the power away from them yet again. And then on the other side is you can you can talk about, you know, things that you should be doing. And, you know, there, there are work requirements. There are small things that you can do from a policy side that will help help in that side of things. But it tends to disengage that person. It takes the power yet again away from them and says, we're just going to require you to do something and that will fix the problem. Not at understanding that they may not even be facing a cliff, but they're making a decision because they believe that a cliff exists in front of them because they have faced it before or because they're, they know that they're going to face it eventually. And so that's why it's an important thing to know that the policies we have need to address these cliffs. And it's a very nuanced kind of situation. We uh, recently just came out with a uh, paper 
because we, what we're trying to do is like, how do we address this, right? It, uh-huh. again, yeah, how do we solve federal the government? <laughs> yeah, it's federal government, state yeah. government. It's all these different entities trying to figure this whole thing out. It's different for everybody's situation. So it's a complex issue. So we put out a paper on on food benefits because that's one of the largest, um, you know, things that benefits are uh, one of the largest uh, benefactors out there. And with the cliff on that and understanding like, what are some things that states can do? What are things that other people can do? One of the things that is kind of became very apparent to me when I was going through some of our uh, reporting on that was that there isn't one solution to it. There are a multitude of things. And a lot of what we're talking about is trying new things, but to try new things, you need to acknowledge that there is a problem first and benefit cliffs are a problem for people. And you need to start trying to address them. And, and and we kind of need to have a moment where we sit down and we go, this is a problem. Let's, let's try a few things and each state can do something differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, the, the gravity of the problem differs state by state. It is still a problem in every state because most of these programs are operated on a federal level. So until there's federal policy change, it will trickle down right. into all 50 states. Now that is something that we're trying to work on. And, uh, you know, a big piece of that is coalescing multiple states, you know, towards this goal and having multiple states say, this is a problem here. Our people are suffering. Our economies are suffering because people are suffering. Right. And therefore we want to see something happen. Um, and, and we need this policy reform to really take action. So that's a that's a big issue. And, you know, one of the things and, and I know we're going to talk about this on a future episode in the state of Utah, for example, one of the things that they've done is just a first step, right? There's the there's the eliminating right. of the cliffs, and that's a big thing. We want to, rather than creating cliffs, we want to create a runway or a ramp for people, right? So instead of dropping off, they're just moving up and moving out of the system. And, and that's the idea of it. And it seems straightforward for both sides of the aisle, which is a great start where it's, we're, we're not saying give people less, and we're not saying give people nothing, we're saying, reallocated in a way that makes sense for people to be right. self-sufficient. That's it. It's We're about allowing. Saying... Yeah. Go ahead. No. I was going to say it, it's about allowing a flexibility with that system sure. again, because when you start plugging in and seeing that this person's situation is drastically different than this other person's situation. And mm-hmm. we only changed two or three variables within their situation. They only, we only added a kid or we only right. added one the other situation. You start to realize that, Oh, this, this top-down, one-size-fits-all kind of solution isn't going to work. So we need to yeah. allow for a more nuanced and, and more personalized solution mm-hmm. to the problem. And yeah, we need we need to change some of the laws to allow for federal funds to be spent a little more dynamically or, or in the right way to actually help people. And, and also empowering them with the information that they need to make the best decisions given the current circumstances. And that's right. going back to, I was touching on Utah, one of the things that they do really well, and one of the things that we're trying to allow other states to implement is what's called a one-door policy. So what happens in most states, and we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, is that being on benefits is a full-time job in itself. You have to go yeah. to separate offices for almost all of these benefits, all of these programs, you have to fill out separate paperwork. You have to qualify in separate ways. There, Everything is disjointed. 
and it is a lot to keep up with. It takes like a project management certification basically to, to keep track of all the moving parts. So in Utah, what happens is they actually have one office that handles all of that together. Now, some people would say, well, that just makes it easier to get more benefits. That's not actually how it works because in conjunction with consolidating all of their programs there, they also have uh, workforce. So when someone's coming in and saying, I need support, they're saying, sure, you absolutely deserve support. And also given your family construct, here's some work that might help you as well. And so again, we'll dig into that more in a, in a future episode, but that's one step that states can take right now, along with some of the recommendations that we made in that SNAP paper, which I strongly encourage everybody to, to check out because it, it breaks down piece by piece from a federal, state, and local level, what can be done to address SNAP. Now, SNAP, in case y'all aren't familiar with it, is food stamps. It is food security. And it is also the program that drops off first and most intensely for most people in most states. So if you're looking at survival needs, right, and you're thinking food, medical assistance, housing, those kinds of things, food is first. Food is the number one thing that people need, and it's the first thing that they lose at a certain pay rate. And so that's why we chose to, to dig into that specifically first. Um, and then I know that in the future, we'll, we'll dig into each of the other programs more in, intensively as well. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, you touched on this, but like essentially food stamps is a great example of it is we're taking this away from people. We are deciding for people, well, you don't need food at this point, right? Instead mm-hmm. of empowering them to make choices along the way. And that's ultimately what the problem with the cliffs that exist out there is that they, they steal from people autonomy the ability to make a good decision. Um, and we kind of look at them very negatively. Oh, if we give you one place to go to get your services, you're just going to take all the services you can get. Well, that's not actually, that's no. that's assuming that they don't want to better their lives, but we know for a fact that they do want to better their lives. So yeah. let's help them. Let's put accountability around it. Let's help them in that way. I'm not, nobody's arguing against that, but we are saying we can do both and, and, and actually um, kind of give people a little bit of self-respect and pride in what they're doing and give them autonomy at the same time. And I think that's ultimately what we're talking about when we talk about the cliffs model is that uh, we can, we, we have to look at this holistically, you know, yeah. uh, you can find out more about what it is at foropportunity.org slash cliffs. If you go there, um, it will take you to uh, a breakdown of not only this paper, but a lot of other things that we are doing on the benefits cliffs as well. Corey, one of the things that you mentioned that I I want to touch on before we close out here. um, Sure. I think a good analogy for people who are not struggling with these cliffs or not utilizing government assistance is anyone who has health care, right? And I don't know who decided this along the way, by the way, this is a whole other conversation, but like, at some point they decided your eyes and your teeth are not part of your healthcare. <laughs> right. And it's so we all have... I saw somebody say it's, Oh, it's their head. We don't care about their head. <laughs> you know, Obviously mental health also, but that again, yeah, like exactly. whole other soapbox that I'm not going to step on right now. But if you just think about how frustrating and annoying it can be 
to have three separate insurance providers for your general health, your vision, and your dental, right? And so each time you're going into these different offices, they need a different card, they need a different group number, they need a different this, they need a different that, there's a different copay, right? That's what it's like being on multiple programs when they're not consolidated. Just because you have vision insurance and dental insurance doesn't mean that you're going to use it more than you would other than when you need it, right? It's just that it's more of a pain to utilize those things because they're separate. And so I think that if you think about benefits in that way, it is more of a freeing up of time and capacity for people to Mm -hmm. go be productive citizens, right? It's not, oh, we're making it easier to get benefits. It's, oh, we're taking away the stress of the project management of managing multiple programs so that people actually have the mental and emotional capacity to to do what they wanna do, which is be productive members of society or good parents or community members or whatever it is that they're not currently using that time for because they have to spend it just running on the hamster wheel. So, yeah. you know, I think that it's important to understand, like you said, the psychology behind it, because it's easy to jump to conclusions like that when you look at it from a framework of not understanding what it feels like to be in that place. And that's why that yeah. those analogies are important, because, you you know, if you can tap into how frustrating it is just, you know, to have the privilege of all these health, uh, all these healthcare programs, and you're like, why do I have to use a separate card for my eyes and my heart? And, my, you know, it's like it's all part of my body. It's all part of the same thing yeah. and I need support in all of those areas. Um, you know, so I, I don't know if that helps clarify it, but that's something that I kind of think of when I'm thinking. No, of I think that's a, that's a great analogy. That is a great way to kind of put it. Cause we've all dealt with that, right? Like we've all okay. dealt with, you know, having to like, Oh, which card am I supposed to pull out? Which one is my, uh, you know, eye doctor, yeah. which one is, can, or do I have <laughs> I coverage for that? Home. No, I don't. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. So there's a point too. So that's a really good, like carrying that on. If you don't have dental insurance, right? You might have health insurance, but you don't have dental insurance, just like you might have housing, but you don't have help, you know, um, food, right. right? Assistance. It doesn't mean you don't need that. It just means you're not going to get it because you can't afford it. And that's, that's the position that we put people in. And so I think it's really important to understand that, but yeah, I definitely, you know, I encourage you guys to go check out that paper. Where is it again, Corey? What's the site? It's foropportunity.org slash cliffs. And from there, you can find all the different papers that we put out on it, get linked to the benefit cliffs calculator site that you, um, I know you're working on and it's always Mm -hmm. being updated. Um, and uh, there's lots of other links from there about information about what causes cliffs, myths about it, and different things like that. Absolutely. So if y'all are interested in learning more, or you know somebody who's interested in learning more, or know someone who's interested in being part of the solution, please encourage them to visit us at benefitscliffs.org. We would really love to connect with y'all, um, you know, work directly with you if there's someone who, who wants to explore what solutions might look like and, you know, just provide any information that we can to help further this movement. So we definitely look forward to digging into some of the things that we've touched on today in future episodes. But thank you all so much for joining us. We definitely look forward to seeing you next time as we break through the noise, break down the issues and break down the barriers so that we can help every American live a flourishing life. We'll see you next time.